All right, man, this is appended before the beginning of episode 28, which is about 9-11. I want to tell everyone why this episode is late. Um, as many are aware, on the eastern seaboard, there was a DDoS attack, uh, which brought down uh, much of the Internet for the East Coast. Um, we're just now seeing the explanations for it, and uh, when I had to call my people because I was taken down, uh, Crow 777 Radio was taken down, or at least the uh, the functionality of it was taken down. Uh, they're marking it as the, or the people I spoke with marked the attack on the 21st, which is telling indeed. Now the articles that are coming out are claiming that it was bots and that hundreds of millions of webcams, routers, and all this other nonsense were responsible for the denial of service. For those who don't know what a DDoS is, one of the descriptions we're getting um, is that basically so many requests come into a particular server um, that it shuts down or it can't function anymore. Um, I think what we're looking at here, and I'll tell you why. I have things on the West Coast which went unaffected, but when they reacted to things that happened on the East Coast, like PHP scripts that send emails, um, the emails never arrived to me on the East Coast. To me, what that means is it truly was a denial of service attack, regardless of who's responsible for it, and I suspect it was a test run. I also suspect a lot of data got collected, um, but we're in an election, among other things. And I've always said for a long time, if we have another one of these big false events like 9-11 or something else, with so many people aware, a denial of service attack would prevent us from being able to get online and inform people, as for those of us who can see, as to why these events are false. And uh, even sending email was affected as as I can prove. Um, you know, I had things happen on the website that should have generated emails. Um, I can see that they happened. I can see that the emails were sent from the PHP script attempting to deliver them to me on the East Coast, but there was no path for the email to go. For those who don't understand, basically when an email gets sent, it goes out in a bunch of different ways. The first packet that makes delivery is the, is the delivery method. Well, that didn't happen. And so that tells me that uh, geographically an area was shut down. The only reason I bring this up is because the episode is a little bit late, and I apologize for that, but I did not want to put it up until I was sure that the systems were solid. But to be completely frank, it looks to me like this was a test run, a geographical test run. The claim is that the eastern seaboard was taken out, many services, many sites, even big things like Reddit, um, who all should have backup plans. Uh, it, it's, it's a bit astonishing, the scope of this, because if you were, say, PayPal or a subsidiary of PayPal, which is one of the things that got affected uh, from my website, um, you would think there would be a backup plan to quickly shift to get you back online quick. This is not what happened. Many, many hours went by before these services were restored. And again, it was geographical, and the claim is then it started up on the West Coast to some degree. I don't buy into any of the descriptions, and right now, the guilty culprit for the DDoS denial of service attack on the Eastern Seaboard is bots. Hundreds of millions of bots. I mean, we can to get into the spirit of this kind of episode on 9-11, we all remember... You know, there was two buildings fell down in New York within hours. They had the names of everyone who did it, and they knew it was 19 terrorist hijackers from Saudi Arabia and other locations. I mean, come on. When you read these articles about the denial of service attack, basically right now at this point, it's bots that were the culprit. Well, if it was bots, which I don't buy, uh, people make bots. So who were the people that did this? I think this was a state-sponsored test run, but that's just me, and it happened on the 21st, which makes me think it all the more. Anyhow, let's jump into the episode, and I apologize for the late start here on episode 28. 
All right, man. Welcome to episode 28 of Crow 777 Radio Podcast. Of course, as always, using the corrupted numerical system uh, that very few of us understand, at least understand how it's implemented uh, by those who would uh, control this world. This episode is going to be on 9-11, but I'm going to go at it from kind of the occult point of view. Uh, in other words, I'm going to try to go at this in the way that I have deduced that the people who put this show on called 911, uh, what they were, how do I, how would I put this? The kind of occult intent that they put behind it. And the reason I'm going to do it this way is twofold. First off, so many researchers have dug into 9-11 and constantly an argument starts about whether there were planes, whether there were not planes, um, all, all these like little minuscule aspects of 9-11, when in fact, in my view, the larger question and the larger issues uh, all kind of orbit around the fact that we know it happened. Uh, so at the end of the day, nailing down this little minuscule piece of data or that to me is not as important as understanding the overall picture. A lot of what went on with 9-11, in my view, was an occult ritual, for lack of a better term, uh, a bit like black magic. And so many people will kind of roll their eyes and, uh, and have already predetermined for themselves that magic is nonsense. Uh, the reason I use this term is because the people who did this do not think magic is nonsense. Now, I can't tell you to what degree magic is real, but I can tell you how what they did, how the encoded symbolic colors, numbers, just all of it play into a magical mindset that is rooted in a Luciferian ideal that is rooted in Crowley, the old hermetic ideas. Um, it really crosses the gamut. As a matter of fact, it is a bit like maybe we could use the CIA or other modern uh, intelligence agencies, which appear to have got into this magical realm of manipulation in a very occult way, but what they started to do when they began to do it had already been being done for probably thousands of years, if we have that much history, by religious institutions of one type or another back through history. And it seems what we what what it appears is that this group took all the nuts and bolts of these previously spiritual religious endeavors um, and occult practices, and they stripped away any aspect of spirituality, religion, or anything to do with an idea of compassion for living beings or the betterment of living beings in any way. In other words, they just went straight in to grab the nuts and bolts mechanics of how to manipulate uh, a world population. And in fact, 9-11 was the greatest show on earth to rob from the old circus Barnum and Bailey or Ringling, Ringling Brothers, whatever it was. It was in fact the greatest show on earth. It was probably the biggest occult ritual, ritual ever pulled off and it was televised worldwide. It, it, what it comes down to is mind rape. They basically raped the minds of a worldwide population and I will get into these things. So much of this is rooted in the average person's inability to understand symbols, symbology, 
what numbers and letters and combinations of these things mean, what colors mean, and how they are used in everyday life. The average person would be stunned if they stopped and began to train themselves about symbology, how much of the world they're walking through and missing every day, whether it's a McDonald's sign or anything, the, even like the numbers of interstate freeways here in America, it is all rooted in, in occult symbology, all of it. There are very few things that you will ever see come through a television, a newspaper, um, any big information source that are not rooted in symbology in the occult ways that we're going to address in 9-11. And for the average person who has a tough time thinking there's any there there to, to what we're going to talk about here, I would point out that when we get to the Pentagon, just the overwhelming use of 7 and 77 should tell the average person that it's not possible that this was just coincidence. And this sets aside the name game and all the other things that we will cover here. You know, people have been contacting me um, quite a bit, quite frequently lately, stating that they have children and they're not sure how to proceed. They want their children to understand more than they did. Um, and unfortunately, I always have to respond. I, I can't answer these questions. Um, I, I can't say things that might influence you to do certain things within your family uh, knowing what I know. It's not enough. But what I can tell you is, as I came up as a child, if I simply would have been taught that letters have a numerical value, as they did in ancient Hebrew, as they did in the Roman alphabet number system, um, if I was simply told that alone, I would have had a much better window on the world that is being constructed around me to herd me through life in what we call civilization. I mean, at this point... In my view, civilization is just another word for slavery. And that seems a blunt thing to say, but when you come to understand that your birth name is just a corporation being traded on the stock market, which basically means that you are chattel, and then we look around and see all the false news narratives that are meant to socially engineer a society, um, you begin to understand that those are really not those, it's not that blunt a concept to, to wrap your mind around. As we come back to 9-11 and I jump in, uh, I'm also going to tie it to what was going on astronomically. Two, uh, well, three of the prevalent things that 9-11 was tied to was the zodiacal constellation of Gemini, the twins, of course, um, and the planet or so-called planet Saturn and the ex-planet Pluto, which is an interesting thing. At some point in the future, I may go back to try to tie the demotion of Pluto back to 9-11, because I absolutely think there is a, a connection there. Both Saturn and Pluto have to do with death and darkness and all these other things, and, um, and we're going to get into a little bit of astrology, not much. Um, part of the reason is because is so many people uh, do not accept that there is anything to look at when we talk about astrology, not astronomy, astrology. But again, I'm not telling you what I believe is true. I'm telling you what the people who did this were concerned with when they did it. If there was no relationship to astrology, well, then why did they tie it all together with this you know, massive ritual called 9-11? But anyhow, uh, we'll get ready to jump in here in a second. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll just cut it here and we'll, we'll jump right in. 
I almost forgot. Before I jump in, I wanted to touch on one more thing, um, social engineering. Of course, this relates directly with nine, you know, 911. Uh, that is so another form of social engineering. It's furthering an agenda of the people who pulled off this ritualistic magic. But, you know, so many people have been commenting on the Tavistock Institute, and I wasn't really familiar with it. And so as I got ready to do this episode, I had in the past looked a lot into social engineering. And uh, it turns out that a lot of the social engineering these days is being attributed to the Tavistock Institute. I think it's been a number of years since I kind of looked. At the time, the, the main component or the main player in all that was being pointed at a Rockefeller. And of course, the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds are never far from any of the things we talk about. Because of course, this is the, the money. It's where all the money came from. But social engineering is not only part of our everyday existence, it is maybe a lion's share of what we see. You can see it clearly uh, in the elections going on right now. And I can give an example. No matter what a particular candidate does or says, no matter how outrageous or how lowbrow or how obnoxious a thing they say or do, the people that have been convinced they're on that team will defend them like they're a family member. In social engineering, there's a great explanation for this and outlines exactly how this works and why people act in this way. What they're doing is they're treating either Republican Party or the Democrat Party as a bit like their family, like their extended family, where like if you had a brother who did some terrible thing, nonetheless, he's your brother and you're going to stick up for him. He's family. We see this social engineering in this kind of fraud election that's going on now and it really, you know, you, you've got to wonder, could any, either of the candidates do something that is so outrageous that people on their own team would abandon them? And at this point, it kind of looks like, no, <laughs> it kind of looks like the social engineering is that good. They will treat that Republican Party or that Democrat Party as their extended family and defend it to death. But this is only one small portion that comes up every few years of social engineering, uh, if you look around the United States now, over the past few years, you've watched our ability to make money become more difficult. And not too long ago, we had another stock market crash, and there was another one prior to that, not, not too far before that. These are all aspects of social engineering. These are all controlled mechanisms. And for the average person who wants to try to understand a little bit more about the lifetime we are leading now, in this massive time of change where so many people are catching on to the game and the social engineering and the kind of mind rape that goes on daily is at fever pitch, I would suggest to you, go look up brainwashing techniques and social engineering. Um, you will be shocked when you begin to understand how much effort was put into understanding how to do these things and how you can easily correlate it to so many of the things we see in daily life. And the only reason I bring this up is because so many people always ask, well, why, why did they do 9-11? Well, part of it is they want control of this whole world, a very small group of people. That's part of it. But to do that, there are only really a couple of choices. You can either put on your steel-toed boots and go out and start 
you know, at bayonet point, forcing people to do what you want, which has been tried in the past, and that doesn't work so well. So the social engineering and the brainwashing is brought in to whole civilizations, all of America, all of countries in Europe, all over the world this is done. And it's documented. So it's not really an arguable point. It is done all the time. And the problem here is in the modern age, now your media is complicit, Hollywood is complicit, the major information sources, they're all complicit. But to get back to the point, one of the other reasons this is important to 9-11 is because it appears that at some point, these kind of ruling class elites who want the whole enchilada and they want all, all of us to just be slaves or maybe even reduced in number, who knows, um, they decided that it would be much more efficient, maintainable, and easier to pull off if they brainwashed and socially engineered us bit by bit into the agenda they were trying to accomplish. And then, of course, we have events like 9-11 or any of the given gun nonsense or the Paris attacks or any of these big kind of false flag events that further the agenda. They're just a little more abrupt and in your face, but they're still using social engineering. They're just using fear and other methods to do it. And there's also the whole aspect of 9-11, the kind of mind rape where we were all conditioned 30 or 33 years prior, whatever it was, when they implemented the 911 dial code. That was where the social engineering began with the number 911, of course. So all those years, whenever there was an emergency, we associated the number 911 with it, except when all those years, whenever you dialed 911, help was on the way. Well, you see, that's where the social engineering kicks into high gear uh, for this you know, minuscule aspect of everything with 9-11, the Twin Tower event. You see, there's your emergency that we'd all been mind prepped all those years, socially engineered, um, except on that day, no help was coming. And this is an aspect of social engineering and brainwashing where you constantly put people in hardship and then jerk them back to not hardship. Then you put them in hardship. It's a bit like crashing the economy in America. Hard times, okay times. Hard times, good times. This back and forth is a huge part of brainwashing and social engineering. Anyhow, I wanted to throw that out on the table. And maybe before we jump in proper, I'll say one more thing. I've read Blavatsky. I've read a lot of Crowley. I've read the Hermetic stuff or much of it. And um, it looks to me like the number 11 in this mindset, in this kind of Luciferian Crowley-esque mindset, the number 11 is the evilest of numbers. But it is also connected with change. Maybe I didn't say that very well. Let me go back. 11 is a magical number that's associated with negative things and change. Um, almost to the point where whenever we see 11 encoded in the modern age, what you're seeing is the beginning of a spell being cast. Now, 9, in the same kind of frame of reference, this Luciferian Crowley idea is an evil number. And I know a lot of people will roll their eyes because they've heard that it's the God number, the perfect number, all these other things about nine, including the nine code where when the number is manipulated, you always come back to nine. There's all this. But what I'm telling you is what's written in the kind of Crowley-esque mindset that I believe was in full tilt here during 9-11. And I just bring this up because the number 11 was so key in it and we'll get into flight 11 and all these other things and just the, the use of 11 as a method 
to announce a spell is being cast and it's starting. Uh, and I've covered many times before the whole idea of being stuck in a broken system in an endless loop where the average person counts 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 1 and 0 brings you back to 1. 1, 2, 3, 4, you know, that's a complete cycle. With 9-11, what we see is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. We skip 1 or skip 10, which would bring us back to 1, and we jump to 11. And then we start the cycle all over again. It's a bit like being in a broken system in an endless echo um, to some degree. And I know it's kind of a hard thing to explain. But I just wanted to throw the social engineering thing out there, which is not an arguable point. Anyone can go look at the people who were doing it, the methods they were using. Any of you out there who went through the military, what do you think boot camp is? Boot camp is brainwashing and social engineering. You're having your identity stripped away uh, with the hope that you'll come out the other side as this killing machine. You'll do whatever you're told when you're told to do it. Um, I went through Marine Corps boot camp, and I know for a fact it is social engineering and brainwashing. You are being conditioned into the role you have signed up to, to be a part of. But, so there it is. I think that's enough to get started. So let's jump in. Okay, so there's no better place to jump in with the, than, than with the number 11, of course, because this event occurred on September 11th, and the first supposed plane to hit the Twin Towers was American Airlines Flight Number 11. So that would be written as AA-11 when like, you go into airports or you see it transcribed in places, and of course A is the first letter. So AA Flight 11 is actually 11-11 on the 11th. The 11s go on and on and on, but here's some quotes about what the kind of Crowley-esque Luciferian mindset is about the number 11. 11, the essence of all that is sinful, harmful, and imperfect. There's one quote. There's a quote from Crowley um, that goes on to say, 11 is the essence of all that is sinful, harmful, and imperfect. And at the same time, as you dig into hermetic things and other writings by Crowley or the, uh, the Golden Dawn, other places like this, and I might be mishmashing some names there, but you understand what I'm getting into, into this kind of occult arm um, 11 is a number often used to launch a magical spell. But in the number 11, there is also the kind of mirroring of the Twin Towers themselves. You have two, two ones happening uh, all over the place as the first supposed flight hits the towers. And of course, 11 is meant to represent the towers themselves. But there's more. Not only do the, tower, do the number 11 do all the things I've just explained, but they are also symbolizing... Uh, the ancient pillars of Hermes, uh, and of course, uh, Joaquin and Boaz from Freemasonry. And for those not familiar, you can't really separ separate Freemasonry from religion uh, of the, the Christian kind. And here's why. Um, if you ever look at any of the art or symbology around Freemasonry, you're always going to see the two pillars, Joaquin and Boaz. Um, they were made in, in the I'm sorry, in the Masonic tradition, they were made by Hiram of Tyre for King Solomon. And they were set outside the temple to commemorate the pillar of cloud by day and of fire by night, which is, you know, I don't have to get into that. Everyone's aware of the Old Testament story um, about the Jews, you know, going across the de desert uh, following the two pillars. 
So you can see the occult symbols all over the place. And keep in mind, while this is going on, the President of the United States, George Bush the Jr., is reading My Pet Goat, of course. Now, I'm not going to tangent off on that quite yet, but I will mention this. Um, when you hear people talk so many times, they often refer to children as kids. And I would urge that maybe people should rethink that. A kid is a young goat. Your child is not a kid. Your child is a child. Um, but let's keep moving through this. And uh, I'm just going to tie some of the numerical, obvious numerical things as we get into it. Okay, so I'm going to go at this uh, a piece at a time. I hope I don't repeat too many things. It's just so much information to try to parse out in any way. So as we're all aware, uh, Flight 175 was the second supposed plane to hit the towers. Now, it seems that flight, the AA-175, um, you know what, I'm not sure if that's an AA flight. I'll have to go back and look, but it was flight number 175. It seems to be connected to Lieber-175, a book written by Aleister Crowley. And it's all about how you're going to cast a spell. Um, it's a book of uniting oneself with a particular deity. And, of course, the deity we're speaking of here is Lucifer, I believe. Um, or I suppose. And so even in all the 11s that are jacked up into the first supposed plane hitting the Twin Towers that have all the symbolism I just mentioned, it's followed up pretty quickly, the second tower, with Flight 175. And I need to, I guess, go back and look up whether that was an American Airlines flight. I, I don't remember. I've looked at so many numbers and so many issues here. But I'm going to record this in, like, segments as I go through. I have notes that I'm looking at, but I'll have to kind of get it all in my mind again before I get on. So uh, let's get ready to go into the next portion here. Okay, so to get started here, it's United Airlines Flight 175, of course. So UA would be 20, the 21st letter, and then A being the first, which gives you 22, which is a master number in Freemasonry and Gematria. Um, anyhow, the president is sitting in a classroom in, uh, let me look here, where is it? He's sitting in a classroom in Sarasota, Florida. And by the way, Sir, one of the meanings of Sarasota that I saw meant paradise. So that's something to consider in all this. But anyhow, he's, he's sitting there reading the pet goat. And I went back and looked at a couple of the clips and some of the parts, the, the teacher, I think it was, somebody was like pounding out the syllables as as the kind of everyone did it like a chant almost um, very kind of you know you could tie that to an occult ritual easily knowing what's going on a few hundred miles away as pet goat is being read but there are many people who have looked at the storyline of the pet goat where there's like this overbearing father figure uh, this goat that's n not a ne'er-do-well goat or seems to be having not done very good things. But at the end of the day, this little girl's goat saves the day, you know, praise the goat kind of thing. But people who have done a deeper reading of this have said it's just a child's version of the Luciferian doctrine. And bear in mind, they're in a second grade classroom with predominantly small black children. Um, and if you think that these people are being politically correct, I assure you they're not. And I can further assure you that in occult things, skin color is going to matter. Um, 
but anyhow, let's keep moving. I just wanted to knock out the pet goat. I'm not going to get way into uh, a bunch of these things like pet goat because anyone who takes a further interest can easily go and look more carefully at the things I'm pointing out. What I'm pointing out demonstrates that 9-11 was basically a satanic ritual, a ritual based on the Crowley-esque teachings, the Luciferian ideals, and anyone who wants to go look at Crowley's Lieber 175, which is associated with United Airlines Flight 175, carrying the master number before the flight number, if you break it down in common gematria, um, you will begin to see. And again, you know, a book of uniting, how to... And, you know, as you get into the uniting idea, it almost looks as though they're invoking the deity, which in this case, in my view, is Lucifer, and then almost using the twin towers as a uniting it, it's a it's a very difficult thing to explain but anyone who wants to go back to look at it can so let's keep pushing through but anyone who really wants to see with a different eye go back and look at the reading of the pet goat look up the pet goat online uh, see what the storyline is and you know with a fresh eye all this stuff begins to take on a whole other meaning and shape and when you begin to consider what it means, you know, at first it's a bit frightening, I think, for a lot of people to understand just how many years went into the planning of this and then how they just blatantly did it on a worldwide stage televised. Um, you want to talk about having some balls? That's having some balls. But clearly, <laughs> I guess all of us were under a spell because so few of us, as it went down, recognized what was happening. That would take time. And I will get into, or maybe I'll address it right now. In my view, the act of 9-11 was meant to be discovered for what it was. And not right away, but as time went on. So in another number of years where I'm guessing there will be tons and tons of people who are absolutely certain that 9-11 was a put-up, um, that it was a cult, that it had to do with Luciferianism, what happens at that point is now all these people who were initially fooled are now aware that shenanigans went on, and yet nobody stands up against it in any meaningful way. And as I've mentioned so many times, and even in the beginning of this, um, in Luciferian doctrine, in the Crowley-esque ideas, in the Hermetic teachings, even in portions of common law, non-responsiveness can be taken as acceptance, giving these people basically permission to have done what they did. And in the occult ideal that we're talking about here, there is really no higher power you could hand these jokers than to, all of a sudden, many of us understand on some level what happened and then to sit there and be silent about it, which is taken as permission by these people. And so let's keep moving. Okay, man, now we're going to jump into a portion of things. For people who do not accept that 9-11 was a put-up, you know, setting aside that it was ritualistic magic, it was black magic, um, among other things, I forgot to mention earlier, there is an image of a human being falling from the Twin Towers, and if you go look up this image, you can use the words, the hanged man. This is a staged image, of course, as is, you know, there's there's other staged images, like the devil face in the smoke, which matches that, I don't remember, was it a, a few hundred-year-old artist made a rendering of Lucifer or something like that, or the devil? Um, that photoshopped image was also passed widely around, and no one ever really came out to officially dispute it, I don't think. But anyhow, this image of the human being falling 
he is in the position of the hanged man. And if you go look up the tarot card, I think it's the 12th in the tarot deck, uh, the hanged man, you will see that this is a staged image, that the man is falling and has the posture of the hanged man from the tarot deck. And for those who aren't aware, the tarot deck relates directly to Kabbalah and Actually, it relates to a lot of occult things if you really want to get into it. It's very complex. Anyhow, um, the meaning, I just did a quick lookup of the Hanged Man card and what it means. Um, letting go, having an emotional release, accepting what is, reversing, turning the world around, changing your mind, suspending action, pausing to reflect, and then sacrificing, being a martyr. Um, and that's just a very kind of cliff note version of all that it means. But go look up that image, the hanged man that was a staged human supposedly having jumped out of the Twin Towers. When everybody knows when you jump from a high location, uh, you're not posing when that happens. Um, but anyhow, I, I would include that as we get into this next part, which is going to be about the Pentagon. Now, the Pentagon should serve for anyone who's on the fence about whether or not 9-11 was completely stage act, staged act, I'm about to demonstrate to you things that are just beyond coincidence. And we're going to start with the number 77. First of all, American Airlines Flight 77 hit the Pentagon. Okay? Now here again we have the American Airlines AA, the 11. Announcing the beginning of the spell or tying the other acts to this act, however you want to look at it. So the Pentagon is sitting on the 77th meridian and the building is 77 feet tall. Now here's, I mean, if you want to dismiss all these other things I'm going to say as coincidence, the groundbreaking for the Pentagon was on 9-11-1941, 60 years prior to the day of this supposed terrorist attack. Now there's even more 77s. In 2008, the FAA released a report that there was this supposed doomsday plane in the air as the supposed terrorist plane was hitting the Pentagon. The call sign for that doomsday plane, I'm not making this up, I know, it sounds like a, you know, it sounds like a skit, but, well, it was a skit. But anyhow, the call sign for this plane was Venus 77. So I don't know how many 77s I just threw at you, but Venus 77 is very telling. The planet Venus, whether or not you accept the orbital models from NASA, which I do not, we are told that in the orbital model of Venus, it makes a pentagram. And in the Roman tradition, Venus was always associated with Lucifer, the light bringer. And for those of you that know a little bit about astronomy, quite often Venus is the morning star. It'll be the brightest thing by far. The only thing brighter than Venus, I think, is a moon that's well lit. Um, it'll be coming up in the morning, you know, and that was always related to Lucifer, the light bearer or the light bringer. So there's kind of some nonsense here that I'm going to explain very quickly and whether or not any of this is true it doesn't matter because the information was put out so either they stole a bunch of money or they just made up the story to make people more confused and more mad and all these other things on the day before September 11 Donald Rumsfeld the genius who informed us all about known knowns and known unknowns and all the nonsense that man brought to the world announced that they had lost $2.3 trillion the day before 9-11. But it gets better. 
They had been renovating for some time the Pentagon, of course, in the exact area that it was supposedly hit by this plane. So, I mean, there's little doubt in my mind what was actually going on in this renovation was they were preparing the stage for what was going on. But anyhow, like the day before or something or within a few days of the event, all the people investigating the loss of this $2.3 trillion were moved to the exact area that was shown blown up on TV, however it was done. There is no image of a plane. There is no shape of a plane going in. But it's clear there was a hole in the building, but we're told the people investigating the loss of this $2.3 trillion was in the exact spot that had been under renovation for some time, was the exact spot that this plane hit, okay? So there's that, for whatever it's worth. And again, whether or not any of it's true, it doesn't matter. This was reported in the news, and in doing that, this information will have an effect on a population. And in my view, even if there never was money lost, although why would we suspect that it wasn't a good way to steal that much money. Um, Anyhow, let's move on. So as I tied United Airlines Flight 175 to Crowley's Lieber or Book 175, I'm going to do the same thing right here for Flight 77. And many, many, many researchers drew this line within a year or so of of 9-11. Crowley wrote a book in 1941. It was originally called The Book of the Goat. Pet goat, anyone? (laughs) You know, I mean, what are we saying here? Anyhow, it was originally called The Book of the Goat, but it ended up being called Lieber Oz. The reason it is called Oz is because it is Book 77. In the Hebrew, that is written with Zion, or O-Z, Oz. Now, all the people who are mildly aware can instantly begin to see all the symbolism that's in the Wizard of Oz, knowing what I just told you about sevens. Zion, the mind weapon in the Hebrew or Kabbalic use, or in some usages. And again, there are multiple meanings for any given number. Seven or 77 or triple sevens can often mean perfection and all these other things. It's a bit like a gun. Is a gun evil? No, a gun's not evil. It just depends what the person holding it is intending to do with it. Intention is everything with these numbers. So anyhow, Crowley writes a book 41, originally called Book of the Goat, actually titled Lieber Oz, because it is book 77, because 77 in Hebrew is Zion or Oz, O-Z. Okay, now I'm going to read a quote, and this is the only quote I'm going to read because I found it at least four people had grabbed this quote associated with the Pentagon Flight 77 debacle. Oh, and you should also know it's also called the Book of Lies. I'm sorry. So in the Book of Lies, or the Book of the Goat, or Lieber 77, or Lieber Oz, whatever the hell you want to call it, here's a quote from Crowley that's going to tell you a little something about the number 11 and the number 7 from their Luciferian, Crowley-esque mindset. The sublime and supreme septenary, for those who don't know, septenary is another way of saying seven. For the sublime and supreme septenary in its mature magical manifestation through matter, hint, hint, seven, the septenary, 11, the magical number, 77, the manifestation, therefore of the septenary through matter, because 77 is written in Hebrew as Ayin Zion, or O-Z Oz. Actually, I said that wrong earlier, I guess. So it would be Ayin Zion, which forms Oz, and that does directly relate to the Wizard of Oz. 
Um, and it also relates to the he-goat, the symbol of matter, Capricornus, the devil, the tarot, which is the picture of the goat of the Sabbath upon the altar, worshipped by two other devils, male and female. There's the only quote I'm going to give you. I'm not even sure where it originally came from, but I found four other researchers who had chose to grab it. Uh, the original, I believe the original referencing is from the Book of Lies or Liber 77 or the Book of the Goat or the Book of Oz, written by Crowley in 1941. Now, to get back to what was hit, the Pentagon. The Pentagon or the Pentagram has been considered both good and evil in many cultures. Again, we're back to the gun analogy. It's just its intention. But here, we can be pretty certain it was associated with some dark goings-on, I think. The Pentagram is the symbol of Baphomet, the goat-headed kind of Luciferian symbol that everyone sees everywhere. It is also the five-pointed star and considered the most powerful symbol in ritual, ritualistic and ceremonial mag magic. And as everybody knows, the inverted pentagon or pentagram or inverted five-point star has always been associated with satanic worship. And I want to stop a minute here again and say, whether or not Satan or Lucifer or any of these things are real, we are talking about intention. We are talking about people who think there is value in the magic to complete an act using it. And I don't think many of us can argue the act was completed, and I don't think many of us can argue that they're getting away with it. So whether or not you think magic has any real power in our world, I would suggest look at 9-11, look at what we know about it, and look what's been done about it. Almost like there's a magical spell hanging over everyone's head. I would further point out, and I pointed out this recently, I don't remember where, during the Bush administration, the logo for the Republican Party, which is the elephant with the stars on it, uh, during the Bush administration, anyone can go back and look this up, all those five-pointed stars were inverted. So you can go back and see the donkey and the elephant, the two symbols, they have stars down their sides, and you can go look up the time when during the Bush Jr. administration, um, those little stars were inverted. And based on what I just told you, that the inverted pentagram, pentagon, five-point star has always been associated with Satanism. Um, and shoot, there was something... Oh, and also, just to beat 11 over the head one more time, you can also go back and look up on YouTube George Bush the Sr.'s September 11 speech. <laughs> I'm not kidding here where he first uses the words New World Order. That's September 11, okay? So, I mean, you get to a point here where an intelligent human being, a curious human being, is going to no longer be able to dismiss any of this in the way that it was explained to us or as coincidence or anything else. Now, all this occult stuff that I'm throwing out into this to kind of put a new spin in a way on the way this information has been handled. I'm not telling you what any of it means, whether I believe in it, whether there's any reality to it, but what I am telling you is there are some very elite, powerful people in this world who damn well think there's something of value here or they wouldn't be doing it. And it, it looks as if the idea of their paradise is being implemented on our world using these occult methods, 9-11 having been the biggest show on earth, the biggest ritualistic kind of black magic-y stunt pulled off to date and then televised live to the world. Let's keep moving on.
Uh, by the way, I've got to make a correction here. The Book of Lies is separate from uh, Lieber 177 or Book of Oz or the Book of the Goat or any of those other names. So Book of Lies is separate. Okay, so I'm going to touch on a couple more things about the Pentagon, and then we're going to keep moving forward. Um, as I did ancillary research, I found a number of people who had taken an interest in a guy named Theodore Olson. Now, apparently, Mr. Olson was born on 9-11-1940, I think. Might have been 41, I think 1940. But anyhow, he apparently was one of the lawyers involved in Bush versus Gore defending Bush the Jr., during that contested election, which of course was decided down in the state of Florida where his brother, Jeb Bush, was governor at the time. Um, the reason this is being mentioned by other researchers is because supposedly his wife, and I've forgotten her name, I think it's Barbara, was on Flight 77 that hit the Pentagon. And supposedly she is also the source uh, from a phone call that she did, I guess, while on the plane, uh, informing either her husband or someone else that the five hijackers hitting the Pentagon, I'll get into that in a minute, um, were using box cutters. But what was really kind of interesting to me is, so it's claimed she dies on the flight, and I guess the guy had already had a number of wives. I don't remember which wife this might have been, third, fourth, fifth. Um, probably was the fifth. Um, he gets a new wife, and a lot of researchers are saying it's the same person. Um, and what was interesting as I scanned across this is her name, the new wife, not the one that was supposedly killed on Flight 77, who gave us the box cutter information. Oh, by the way, she worked for, I don't know, CNN or Fox or one of these news things. And it said, here, here's a telling thing, she was going out to L.A. to be on Bill Maher's you know, politically correct, uh, incorrect or whatever it is show. But the new wife, who everyone's claiming is the same person, uh, is Lady Evelyn Booth. Now, I didn't look into this stuff very far, but is not Lady, like, calling someone Sir? Does that mean the Queen knighted them in some way? They're working for the Queen or something like this? I don't know, but I, th I figured I would throw it in. But what I really want to get to here is all the fives of the Pentagon. Now, what people should realize is depending on who's doing a particular thing with numbers or some sort of supposed magic intention is everything many people have come to the conclusion that the use of the pentagon or pentagram at the pentagon the physical building of the pentagon was meant to symbolize death or the taking of life or other things in this this idea they even reference um the symbols the, the symbolic five star five pointed star in its in its you know five five version version usage like uh, during world war ii the highest general wore five five pointed stars so this is part of the reason why the claim is that five in this usage is talking about maximum kill um but anyhow the pentagon is a five-sided building there's five concentric rings uh, five of the floors are either above or below ground. I've forgotten which. It's on a five-acre piece of land. And uh, it's across the way from the Washington Monument, which is 555 feet tall. So again, you're just looking at piling on, piling on, symbolic encoding, and everybody's quite aware 
of how Washington, D.C. is laid out. I mean, it is no secret that there's alignments and all kinds of kind of Masonic sight lines and other things, monuments built into the entire plan of Washington, D.C. But that's enough for the Pentagon, and I want to keep moving forward. Okay, so, of course, the third plane was Flight 93 that went down in, I believe, Shanksville. Um, and cert that's almost certainly a play on words because we're told that they were using knives and box cutters. Anyone familiar with supposed prison language, you know, a knife or anything you stab with is a shank. Um, but I'm not going to cover a lot about this because simply the overall view we get tells the tale of fraud. When you saw the first aerial pictures coming of where this supposed flight went down, there was like this wily e. Coyote, this Looney Tunes cutout of a plane in the ground and no plane. And of course, the argument became it was at such a steep angle and it was going so, so fast that I guess the plane was either disintegrated or swallowed up, whatever the ridiculous idea here is, it's reminiscent of what happened at the Twin Towers back in New York. You see, because the steel has always been a problem for all the researchers. How is it possible for jet fuel to burn hot enough to basically vaporize the steel? Um, and that doesn't even start to, you know, Zach Hubbard just did a clip over on his channel uh, about, I think, Pizza Hut and uh, Progressive Insurance saying you should boycott them. And he does a clip on why. But, you know, he points out even in that, they are moving the debris away from the Twin Tower accident so quickly, as quickly as they can. And ironically, one of the places they're moving it to is called Fresh Kill. I mean, come on, you're getting poked in the eye again, right? Of course you are. Some of it, I think, was even shipped off to China. But on Flight 93, I mean, have we? it's another one of these things where has there ever been a plane accident where the plane basically disappears? Um, so I'm not going to dwell too much on this because on the face of it, it is ludicrous. Just that little bit of information. So I'm not even going to bother to get into all the other things that are wrong with it. Although, I will point out one social engineer engineering aspect of Flight 93 that went down in Shanksville. Believe it or not, at one point they were going to put up a monument that was in the shape of a crescent. Now we're being told all these Muslim hijackers did all these horrible terrorist acts and they crashed all these planes and the plane that they're memorializing in Shanksville was also because these terrible Muslim terrorists did it and they're going to build a crescent memorial on the ground. What you're seeing here is social engineering. What you're seeing is there are so many problems and is such a blatant lie in Shanksville that maybe it came to a point where what happened at the Pentagon and what happened at 9-11 were not enough to keep people's attention off it. So they create these skits that will throw everybody into their limbic brain system, into their limbic mind, retarding them as human beings and getting everybody upset, yelling back and forth. Of course, eventually, um, the idea for the Crescent Memorial is struck, but we see this so often where some big corporation is about to be held to account and then the very next morning, a massive news story of some kind breaks. It was done with the tobacco industry and the Unabomber. It's been done over and over and over. Not only is it a way to control what's going on in the media, but it's a way that manipulates people into their limbic minds, into their limbic systems. 
I'll talk more when I talk about social engineering, about the limbic system, and how it's used to socially, excuse me, socially retard and keep people at a very infantile spiritual level. Basically keeps a human being from growing up into what a human being could be. Keeping them angry, fighting, crying, whatever it may be. Um, these very emotional states. And uh, as you can see here, it was used to keep people's eye off the ball. And this was not a hard ball to keep your eye on. There's basically an airplane cutout in the middle of a field and no airplane. I mean, come on. Uh, come on. Anyhow, let's keep moving. Oh, and before we move on, I almost forgot to mention, um, there's an FBI guy who has jurisdiction over Shanksville. And of course, his last name is Crowley. Um, I'm not going to delve into this a lot because people can look at this for themselves. Um, there is another guy that ends up being involved in the 9-11 thing. I think it's an air traffic controller somewhere named Crowley. But anyone can look these things up. It's not difficult. And again, this cements the idea um, that what they're doing is poking you in the eye and playing their name game and doing all the things that are quite often done in these false flag or hoax event, whatever you want to call them. Okay, so we'll jump back to the Ground Zero area for a minute and talk about Building 7. So many people, even to this day, have come to my YouTube channel completely programmed uh, talking about Building 7, and they sit there and comment and say, oh, the owner of that building said to pull it. They're actually repeating the spell. I've seen it a number of times on my channel. I'm not kidding you. So let's talk a minute about Building 7. First of all, Rudy Giuliani had put his emergency whatever service for the city in that building after apparently the 1993 attacks on the World Trade Center where there was a bomb put in the basement. Um, but anyone can go back and it's a good thing to do to look at what was in the buildings that were destroyed because that's always a very telling thing. But here's the thing. People pressed this man that the the owner, I guess the owner of the building, I've forgotten his name, who who said it was getting to be too dangerous, pull it, was what was said. And this was pushed out over the news. And you can see the programming that happens. I still have people coming to my channel today, you know, repeating the very words that, you know, the news projected into their head. It's ludicrous. But when they pressed him and pressed him and pressed him and asked him what he meant by pull it and saying, you know, was this a controlled demolition? Was it this? He finally ends up responding um, pull, that he meant pull the firemen out of the building because it's too dangerous. The whole thing is ludicrous. Not only that, there's other researchers that demonstrated there were no firemen in the building and they'd been gone for something like five hours because it was too dangerous in the area. But there is plenty of footage of Building 7 where you can see the kind of pop, 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 controlled demolition going on. So, I mean, at the very base of things, anyone who has watched TV in America over the last 10 years has probably seen a show where these companies come in to demo a big building. And it takes months. It takes months and months not only that, they've got structural engineers in there, all these other guys. They clear the building. They put, do all this stuff. Then they have to figure out exactly where they're going to put their pyrotechnics to cut the building down into its own footprint. Um, it's a process. So the idea that any of these buildings could have fallen into their footprint, and particularly Building 7, which is so telling, just so, so telling. And having this guy on the record is saying, pull it. You know, it's almost like, really? So you guys built in a controlled demolition? There was explosives in that building the whole time? 
because uh, clearly he couldn't have been talking about the firemen that weren't there. Um, Building 7 is a very telling thing, and even just to go back to look at the footage, you can see what's going on. But maybe we should jump in a little more to the overall ritualistic scene and uh, cover some things like the the Hilton Millennial or Hilton Millennium Hotel, which was actually created and built, modeled on the obelisk from the movie 2001. I mean, come on. Is it even possible that that's a coincidence? A hotel standing right in the ritualistic area we're talking about for the greatest show on earth, and it is the Black Obelisk from 2001. Anyhow, let's keep moving forward. So there's the black monolith called the Millennium Hilton sitting at ground zero, slightly offset from the Twin Towers with a front row view as they came down. Um, And I had gone back to look at some of the work Arthur C. Clarke did. Apparently, um, the original story that had the monolith was titled The Sentinel. Um, And he, Arthur C. Clarke, has also been quoted as referring to the black obelisk in the movie 2001, which the Millennium Hilton is modeled after um, as the overlord, calling the obelisk itself the overlord, which is not hard to imagine. In the same way that monolith sat with a front row seat to the events of 9-11, the greatest show on earth, the the greatest kind of mega ritual, uh, this black magic-y Crowley-esque thing that was going on, completely staged, we have this hotel building a whole hotel based on this black obelisk from the movie 2001, where it will sit in 2001 with a front row seat to the Twin Tower, you know, controlled demolition. In the movie, for those who have seen it, uh, it's a long movie. Sometimes it's hard to sit through. Uh, You see this monolith come to Earth when supposedly people are still monkeys. And what happens is it basically sits there and oversees... Uh, the development of life. And what happens is the monkeys turn evil after this monolith shows up and they start using bones as weapons. They start killing, you know, earlier in the movie before the monolith is there, it shows the monkeys with other animals. And then after the monolith appears, of course, the monkeys are killing the animals. Um, There's another monolith that shows up on the moon. And then there's another monolith that we are told was originally supposed to be around Saturn which is a very telling thing. But the what we are told about that is the special effects were not sufficient to create the rings of Saturn, so they moved it to Jupiter in the movie. But it's a bit of a stargate. Uh, you know, even that, that one line that everyone remembers, oh, it's full of stars, that's referring to the big, huge, massive version of the monolith that's supposedly out at a supposed planet named Jupiter. So what you see here is a mega ritual that even relates back into Hollywood, and I have said so many times that Hollywood was formed to be complicit in the movement of this takeover of modern society that we're witnessing. But that's not all. If you go back and look at the aerial images of the 9-11 area, you'll notice that one building has a stepped pyramid on the top, Uh, There's a building with an unfinished pyramid, which is, you know, maybe akin to our dollar bill, where there's an unfinished pyramid in the seal on the backs of our dollar bills. There's a square pyramid, and then there's a dome. Um, And I could get into all this, but 
people have probably already heard it. Almost certainly the dome is the feminine aspect here, um, but there's a lot you could get into. But whenever we see Hollywood, uh, you know, in all these major events, Hollywood is never more than a heartbeat away, is it? There is always some complicity of how the movies are made after the fact, how the movies are made coming up to the fact. I even saw Spudgy Pang uh, going back through all kinds of publications on his channel, I think a day ago, showing all the images of the Twin Towers being destroyed. And this is across comic books, all number of publications going, I don't know how far back he went, 50s or 60s, but he had a whole line of them showing uh, the the pre-announcing of this event. He's even got a picture of one of the Rockefellers uh, over the, I guess, the Manhattan skyline in the background. And there's a clock. And, of course, the hands of the clock are on 9-11. And this is far before the event itself. All of us are familiar with the Simpsons uh, meme where they pre-announced it. Um, family Guy is regular pre- regularly pre-announcing the death of a star or, you know, like the Boston hoax bombing. So we see these things over and over and over. But to wrap up for the first hour, I want to get a little bit into the astronomy and astrology. Actually more the, well, I guess the astrology of apparently what these people were timing to in the heavens. Now part of the problem with covering the astrology proper um, is that there are different methods for doing it. And as I looked into what people who are very educated in astrology were saying... I found a lot of differing opinions, but there is a consensus that absolutely Gemini was key in the Twin Towers collapse. And everyone can see the symbology there, Gemini, the Twins, the Twin Towers. But the thing I will talk about, because I've used a telescope for so many years, was Saturn and Pluto were coming into opposition, which means they were going to be basically close together from our point of view. Both of these supposed planets have to do with death in one way or another. They could be considered deities of death, lords of death, um, any number of things. Now, of course, whenever you look at the Roman or Greek mythology around these names and the ideas of what these planets were meant to symbolize, um, there's a lot more to it. But everybody knows that Saturn was Kronos. Kronos is time, and time is a bit like our jailkeeper here in this world, and it ensures that we will die. When enough time has passed, we will all have to depart. So it is clear that this was all timed for the opposition of Saturn and Pluto. And the thing that I may take time to look into more at a later date is the demotion of Pluto after this happened. Um, So, you know, we have Pluto with the opposition of Saturn, lords of death, coming into opposition in the sky and their symbolic magic ritual Uh, The greatest show on earth being done under these skies. And uh, sometime later, the guy, the head guy, what's his name? Neil, the joke Tyson, um, head of the the planetarium in New York City there. He was instrumental, the guy in New York City, in demoting the planet Pluto. Now, I did read in a lot of different astrology kind of comment sections how people do feel there's a relationship to this. I don't think it would be that hard to dig into and find, but just the fact that Neil Myass Tyson, uh, the chief planet, the, the the chief of the planetarium in New York City, of course, of course, was instrumental in helping getting the demotion of this uh, planet to a guess dwarf planet or whatever they're calling it now. It's all a, it, it strains the imagination uh, 
to consider that we, you know, all these decades in America, we had nine planets. And then after 9-11, and they're planning Pluto as part of their show, um, it gets demoted. So there's almost certainly a relation there. But that's an overarching view of what happened. Oh, there is one more thing. Let's talk about the Statue of Liberty. It's pretty clear to me that the Statue of Liberty is not only encoding Isis, but it is encoding Lucifer, the light bringer or light bearer. Um, many people have recently commented that the face looks like it could be a man or a woman. Um, and this is the same with the Buddha. The Buddha is often pictured with breasts. It's the, in, in that tradition, it's the idea of the male and the, the, the feminine and the masculine coming together for balance. I'm not sure what it's supposed to symbolize in the Luciferian mind, but what we see is the Statue of Liberty is really no different than Prometheus, the supposed god from Greek-Roman times, uh, who stole fire, was told not to give that fire to the people, and brought the fire to the people, and then paid heavily for it. That's the Luciferian story, just wrapped up and told in a different way. But we have all lived our lives here in America, and as a matter of fact, most people around the world, understanding that the Statue of Liberty is about liberty. It's about all our liberty. Well, I'm going to posit a new idea here, something new altogether. It's not about our liberty, the people, the masses' liberty at all. And the way we can demonstrate this is because you and I have to go get a driver's license. We have endless laws to follow. So many laws that we can't even keep track of them all, and there's more made every year. The idea of taxes, which was implemented illegally, federal tax in the United States of America, um, they had to get a, a, I forget what it was, three quarters vote or something from all states, and they only had a small portion of that, and they still implemented it. What you're looking at is civilization is a form of slavery because of all the rules and all the ownness that is put on the people. The liberty that statue stands for is the elite. These people do not need a driver's license. They don't need a passport. They don't need anything. They are above it all. That is true liberty. And you can logically take apart what I'm saying here and come to the same conclusion. What is liberty? To do whatever it's about. You know, liberty in a way is like Crowley's maxim. Do what thou will and let that be the whole of the law. That's truly liberty, right? Do whatever the hell you feel like. Nobody has the right to tell you any different. Well, for the rest of us, if we want to drive a car, we got to go to DMV and get permission and a license and pass the test. And if we ever get in trouble, we got to go take their classes. And while we're driving, the police are going to come pull us over and give us a ticket. That is not liberty, is it? Not even close. Liberty is what the people at the top have. They want to go to France, they go to the airport, they get in a private jet, and they go there, never having had to produce a passport or anything else. Now, most people will be thinking, well, sure they do. Well, I beg to differ. Even many celebrities in, uh, in Hollywood have been portrayed, like what was that movie Entourage, where they're shown jumping on private jets to go off to Cannes or other places. They're flaunting in your face that they have liberty to do these things. They have the money to do it. They have the resources to do it. They have the connections to do it. And they don't have to follow all the rules that you and I have to follow. So you see... The Statue of Liberty, this Luciferian Isis concept that was built into that statue, sat across the bay holding Lucifer's light high in the sky as those towers came down. 
go on to an image search and go do a search that shows the view the Statue of Liberty had of the Twin Towers coming down. And you will see it's just more of the same ritual. The kind of altar, the pillars, the whole Masonic, you know, magic-y, ritually thing that's gone on to supposedly the times of Rome when they were butchering goats, for crying out loud. It's no different. But, the Statue of Liberty is encoded, the idea that is encoded into the Statue of Liberty is encoded all over the place. How many times have we seen a movie from Columbia Pictures? Columbia is Isis. Columbia is Lucifer. Same exact thing. The female form comes up holding the torch. District of Columbia. Washington, D.C. District of Columbia. Well, we've already kind of pointed out here that Columbia is an encoding of Isis and it's an encoding of the idea of Lucifer. And it's also playing the gender game that we see so prevalently flaunted in our faces these days. You know, I noticed the other day uh, coming into this election where they are playing so heavily on everybody's fond memories of the 80s and 70s to get through this election. They just keep plucking that string. Oh, remember the times when you felt safe. Remember the good times. Remember the better times. Well, they redid the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Well, when I was growing up, Rocky Horror Picture Show was never intended to be viewed by children, for one. It was always at the midnight movies. That was where the partiers went late at night to go see this kind of cult classic movie that's been running ever since the day it was made. Well, they redid a version for television. And, of course, they have a transgender person playing the lead role. And they have gay and lesbian flags up on the wall. Well, what all this is meant to do is to, again, force you back into your limbic mind. Some people will be upset with this. Some people will be saying, well, it has every right to be there. It will get the needed anger, frustration, fighting, you know, turmoil that is required to push through their fraud election they're going through. And when we look around at what media is pushing, it is playing so heavily on the times in America that were better. The 80s, the 70s, um, so prevalent. Even South Park making fun of us all with its ongoing skit of memory berries, or mem, I forget what they're called, mem berries or memory berries. I, for, I don't know what they're called. They're basically little grapes that sit there and talk about all the great times from the 80s and 70s. This is social engineering. But anyhow, if you go out and you take a look around in the image locations and with a new eye begin to study ground zero imagery that we have as a ritualistic altar. Don't forget the Millennium Hilton with its 2001 overlord obelisk. Don't forget the three pyramids in different shapes, the dome, all these things. And then consider the Twin Towers themselves as the pillars of Joaquin and Boaz. And go back and look at so much of the Masonic art that is meant to teach Masons. Um, and these things encode so many things. Of course, the two pillars also mean the spring and fall equinox. Well, 9-11 happened right going into the fall equinox, and of course it was the fall equinox because it's a play on words. Those buildings are going to fall. There's a whole aspect of the Star Sirius that plays into 9-11, but it is kind of so involved, um, I decided that I wasn't going to get into it. But I'll do a quick little bit about it. Apparently, 
9-11, the date on our Western Gregorian calendar, is the Coptic calendar's first of the year. That month is named after Toth, or Thoth, which is the whole Hermetic teachings, which ties into Crowley and all the other occult teachings. Uh, the Hermetic Toth, the supposed guy from Egypt, way back there, anyone can look up about this supposed figure in our, in our history. This is all tied to the heliacal rising of the star Sirius. And for someone who's used a telescope a lot of years, yeah, man, you recognize that time of the year when Sirius starts coming up over the horizon, it is the brightest thing in the sky if Venus is not there and if a planet or the moon is not there. In other words, Sirius is the brightest what is called a star. Of all the things that are labeled stars, whatever they may be out there, uh, Sirius is the brightest of them. And this is timed into the ritualistic magic that was done at 9-11. But there's a whole other aspect that makes it so complex because in the NASA orbital model, we're told there's a thing called precession. Um, and you can look this up if you want to know what it is. Basically what it means is over large periods of time, what we see in the sky will slip on the calendar. So now the true heliacal rising of Sirius is some 45 or 50, I've forgotten, days away from the actual first of the year on the Coptic calendar, which was timed to September 11. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is just to show you how damn complex this all is. It was planned for decades, many decades. Maybe even the early 1900s into the 1800s, I don't know. It was in the planning for so long. And when we look at everything we can look at now, we can only come to one conclusion. These kind of heartless people without compassion who are attempting to take over this entire world to turn it into their paradise and ensure that the average person like you or I as a slave or eliminated, who knows, um, they're... They have more ability than we do. They have had all the good information. They've been trained. Lord only knows what drugs may have been. There's been endless movies about the drugs where they can unlock more of your brain. But it's like that. It's almost getting to the point where when I watch what's been done, I feel like this might be a different species of human being at this point. I've said this a lot of times. Whether or not it was simply... Living in the correct way, to some degree, a human should live. I'm not talking about the spirituality or compassion, because clearly they're without these things. Um, I'm talking about growing up as a human being to higher abilities. The idea of working towards an enlightenment, or whatever that might be. Or is it drugs? Is it just that science got far enough up that they can pop a pill now and utilize a hell of a lot more brain than we can? I can't answer these questions. But when we look at the complexity and the duration for the planning, it's staggering. So all you people out there who constantly come say, you can't keep a secret, well, I beg to differ. They're not keeping a secret at all. They're doing it all right in front of your face. They're just giving it different names so that your own mind becomes its own enemy. While you look across from the supposed ground zero where supposed terrorists did all these terrible things in 2001, look across at the Statue of Liberty, which you have been told your whole life is your liberty, symbolizing the liberty of all people who will come to this country. It's not. We do not have liberty. 
what we have is rules. What we do is give away a third, at least, of our income. Illegally, I might add. What we do is follow what we're told is common law, which is actually some form of admiralty law, which is basically all tying back to a country that we were supposed to have broken away from called Britain. So the main purpose of what I've done here in the first hour is just to demonstrate that there is absolutely no way, no way a thinking individual can accept 9-11 anywhere near in the way it was described to us. As a matter of fact, a thinking individual can only come to the conclusion that it was a staged event, that it was planned over a massive amount of time, that it was ritualistic and black magic and tied to Crowler and Luciferian and ultimately tied to what people like to call the New World Order of the Illuminati, which in my view doesn't have much meaning. Whoever those elite people are, certainly the royals um, and the Masonic tops, tops of the Masonic organizations. So let's wrap up the first hour here and... Uh, I'll do I'll probably append another audio file to talk about what's going to be in the second hour. All right, man. So in closing, let me put this whole thing in perspective. If deers or turkeys or any other wild game animal was as gullible as the human beings on this planet, they'd be freaking extinct. And it may seem a bit blunt to say that, but I'm sorry, man. It's it, what we see is beyond the pale. And a lot of it has to do with belief. So many people have heard me say belief is the enemy of knowing. Belief is in spades what allows this nonsense to go on. You've been taught to believe this or taught to believe that. These beliefs you hold on to your whole life, even if new information comes along that proves your belief is nonsense, you will protect it like it is a golden egg for crying out loud, most of us. It's one of the problems with belief. For many people, once they believe a thing, they choose, without investigation, without any kind of research, they choose to believe a thing. It will be one of the most difficult things to unbelieve, simply because they've made the choice to believe. And I'll give you another example here right now. As I started to get into Sirius, the star Sirius, the damn brightest thing you will see in the sky, even when planets that are brighter are in the are even when planets are up that you can see like Jupiter or Saturn that are brighter than Sirius Sirius still appears brighter because it is this piercing kind of diamond like quality light when you see it the encoding of Isis in the ancient Egyptian at ground zero we are told one animal was killed it was a police dog would you like to know that dog's name the dog's name was Sirius. Many people are probably rolling their eyes saying, so what? Go look up the star Sirius. It's the dog star in the constellation Canis Major, the big dog. Sirius has always been the dog star. We are a gullible, gullible breed here on this world. Many of us are beginning to wake up and catch on. But until we quit walking around in diapers, believing in all this nonsense, there is no hope that anything will get better. Anyhow, that's the close of the first hour of episode 28. And while I was finishing the first hour, I went over to Zach Hubbard's channel and saw a clip he did on boycotting 
Progressive Insurance, and Pizza Hut. And uh, he had a lot of good information on 9-11 that is from the standard Gematria numerology view, which doesn't take so many brain cycles to kind of see the patterns. So I asked him to come do the second hour, and on short notice he showed up and he did the second hour, and it just shows a whole other side of the numerical encoding on a more graspable level than maybe the things I've talked about here. For so many, the idea of a cult, they have been taught to believe that that is nonsense. Whether or not it's true, whether or not there's any value to it, it's being done. It's I just demonstrated huge portions of it being done. So anyhow, I hope you'll join me over at Crow777Radio.com for the second hour plus, I think a little bit, uh, with Zach Hubbard just completely taking a sledgehammer to any any possible idea that 9-11 was anything more than a planned false flag or hoax event. And so there it is. Cheers. Cheers.